This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. You know, uh, cross-border mergers and acquisitions, the M&A business, got off to a big start in 2017. There was a lot of enthusiasm around it. Everyone thought, oh, you've got this new president, a very, very pro-business president coming in. He's going to shake things up. But also a president that wasn't, you know, was America first. and Was America, yeah, America first, right. Uh, and in the four months since things have changed, well, politically, politically how much have they changed? What is going to happen here from, from now on, from here on out? That's what we're talking about today. And to help us with that, we are joined today by Matthias Hirschman, who is a partner at the law firm Hogan Levels in Hamburg, Germany, focuses on the energy sector over there. Matthias, how are you? I'm perfectly fine. Thank you. How are you? Matthias, one of the big questions, in, and Paul sort of alluded to this or you know, stated this in the, in the intro, was we, what we've seen with cross-border M&A has is, is, is been impressive, or at least so far this year, has been pretty impressive. It, it's that's off to its best start since the first quarter of, or since 2007. What, what are sort of the driving factors behind uh, cross-border M&A this year, and how, how has that differed from past years? I think, I mean, if you look at our business, I mean, we do have an extremely turbulent start. I mean, we have so many deals going on currently, and um, we are, as you rightly said, you know, advising in the energy sector, predominantly infrastructure assets, and there is a lot of money in the market, and I think that's one of the key driving factors. A lot of money in the market, and there's a low interest rate situation across Europe and the entire globe, and that helps, you know, to... Um, and to, to heat, you know, the M&A market on the infrastructure side because people look for stable investments where they can basically put their money to. For example, in Germany, you see that there is a booming renewable um, energy market, you know, with offshore wind farm transactions going on, people buying big offshore wind farms, you know, gas transmission pipeline systems being sold. And that is all kind of fueled and... Um, um, you know, heated by the money in the market and the lack of alternative investment sources. So there's a lot of activity there. And I think um, overall, you know, the European sentiment and the European economy is doing pretty well, in particular in Germany, which had, you know, a wonderful year last year and also the start this year looks extremely promising. That actually, that actually raises a great question. I mean, you see among a lot of stock investors, you know, talking about Europe now, are you seeing the sort of same thing in M&A? The economy is looking better in Europe, and companies are now looking there saying, like, we might be able to actually get, you know, um, you know, make a acquisition on the cheap or at a, you know, a lower valuation versus the U.S. where you're, you've seen, you know, the stock market um, soar in the last few years. I think, you know, the, the, the currencies are also a driving factor. Okay. I mean, if you look at the European situation, you know, euro is down compared to the um, the dollar. I mean, after the Trump election, you know, the dollar went up and uh, euro went down. And then we had, you know, kind of a political crisis in Europe with the, um, you know, the more right-winged parties coming in several countries and, you know, the talk about, you know, the stability of the European Union. I mean, that basically led to a... Um, a dropping of the um, the value of the euro, and obviously that meant you know that the appetite of foreign investors into Europe, in particular Germany, was you know fueled even more. You know, actually, that that sort of a, it becomes a very interesting point because you know the trends 
over the last year. Let's talk about you know sort of the, the the populist nationalist trend over the last year. I mean, it gained a lot of steam when you had the the vote in, in England, the the Brexit vote. Uh, here in the U.S., you had Donald Trump pr- propping himself up as a you know economic nationalist. Then you had some high-profile um, elections in Europe that went the other way. The most recent being France. I mean, how do how do executives deal with those kinds of of shifting sands, those shifting trends, and how much attention do they pay to? How much effect does all that have? Is kind of what I'm trying to ask. I think it has a very substantial impact. If you look at that, I mean, you know, I think a fact of life is now that the stability is probably, you know, a long-term stability is, you know, much more history than it used to be earlier on. I mean, you know, the the developments in the countries, you know, the Brexit, I mean, that was a very surprise vote uh, for the European continent. I mean, nobody at least in you know on in germany for example were expecting you know these these uh, outcomes and uh, a bit similar you know, with the trump election so from that perspective it's you know um new developments that underpins you know the fact that stability is not as one had expected it before so people have to live with that kind of uncertainty and uncertainty and unpredictability obviously is is, is poison for any M&A activity because if you want to do investments, you need to have predictable outcome on your investment. I mean, one example we had in Germany, which is an interesting one, as you know, we have in Germany decided to, you know, to switch out the nuclear power and replace it by renewable energies. And uh, as a, you know, consequence of that, there's a very big, you know, promotion program going on for renewable energy. So people are funding, subsidizing, you know, renewable energies. Mm. And there was a big debate in policy once, when people, you know, publicly debated whether that is now too much or not too much. And that led to a huge drop in investment volume in renewables just because of the fact that it was publicly debated. So that was the biggest mistake, you know, German politicians did at that point in time. It just shows you predictability is key. And obviously, I think it is a fact that there is no long-term certainty or security because you see developments you did not expect which lead to completely changed you know situations but i think the latest elections in europe helped a lot yeah in particular you mentioned france um steve i mean i think that is a a election that you know brought a lot of you know relief to the europeans mm-hmm. because the alternative would have been pretty challenging Brexit was about what a year, you know, a little less than a year yeah, ago. Yeah, almost this summer, right? Yeah. yeah. What 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 is the impact has that had on sort of M and A going into the UK and out of the UK? Uh, what are you seeing from uh, your perspective? I think you know the continental Europeans honestly are benefiting a lot. I mean, what we do see is there is a spike in in rental rates in Frankfurt, and you know neighboring cities because of, you know, the, the debate about whether, you know, there is a relocation of, of bankers from the city to the continent. There is um, a stopped investment activity in some areas of the real estate market in London because people reconsider, you know, their, their chances and think, how is that going to evolve? How is that going to change the overall situation? And I think, I mean, at least the German sentiment is that we are long-term um, you know, profiting from that situation, but obviously mid-short term, I mean, this creates a lot of uncertainty because nobody knows how these these negotiations, you know, the, the exit negotiations right. will at the end ultimately unfold. It's completely unclear. I mean, there are the positions on the table. They are debated publicly. Uh, but, you know, the uncertainty is not positive. Yeah. 
Let's uh, take a quick break. We will come back with more about international M&A. Big topic here. Uh, Matthias Hirschman from Hogan Levels. That's what we're talking about. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Coming Friday, May 19th. What's the future of space and the law? Companies like Elon Musk's SpaceX. High-tech guns. This is about choice in types of gun offered for sale. Brain implants. They didn't know how effective this was going to be. Urban farming. But what about a building that's 30 stories tall? And the mass production of meat. Now these cells came from a duck. The Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Coming Friday, May 19th. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to Money Beat. We are talking today with Matthias Hirschman, who is a partner at the German law firm Hogan Lovells in Hamburg, Germany. We're talking about M&A, cross-border M&A, and, and a topic, I mean, look, you know, you talk about uncertainty. I mean, certainty and uncertainty, that affects everybody, really. It certainly affects the markets uh, as well as M&A. And and here in the states, uh, Matthias, I don't know how closely you're following it, but I mean, our uncertainty seems to be changing by the hour these days. I mean, the markets woke up to that yesterday. The markets woke up to that yesterday. They did, and and you see them trying to you know wrap their arms around it today. Uh, when you look over here, Matthias, you know, and and when executives look over here, you know, maybe looking at deals. I mean, how 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 unsettling is the situation from from your perspective? I think I think it is a situation that is indeed carefully monitored. I would say. I mean, and you know, we have a leadership in Germany which is a bit, you know, different uh, from the current U.S. leadership. You know, our German chancellor is extremely moderate. You know, mm-hmm. um, very, you know, very silently and uh, soft speaking, and you know, and but determined and doing her job in a very efficient and you know pretty much German manner, so to say. <laughs> right. So what we do look at when we look at the U.S., I mean, we're watching. I mean, we're watching, and it's interesting to see, you rightly say, that every day there is an, um, a new development, so to say. But I think the question will be how that is eventually unfolding on the, on the economic side. And yeah. you talked about, you know, the stock market situation, and that's, I think, also, of course, you know, appreciated that there was this huge... Um, drop in the in, in in the stock market but i think general the sentiment is that the u.s economy is powerful you know that the u.s people are very innovative and very you know entrepreneurial driven and that you know eventually this will not lead to a tremendous um change in the overall relationship but you're right i mean it is a point of monitoring <laughs> and it's very high up in the news i mean this is uh, you know i mean always you know the first story to make up any news I guess, about across the European continent. So very prominent. One of the questions, too, and this sort of precedes what's been going on lately. But, you know, our president, Donald Trump, he, you know, he used Twitter to, you know, criticize companies for making layoffs, you know, uh, moving operations 
um, overseas, things like that. How much does that, when you talk to CEOs, does that play in that that, that sort of environment that you know, all of a sudden you have a U.S. president who's commenting on you know corporate strategy, and if you're looking to do a deal, does that sort of make you nervous? I think you know the the I mean, you may, they're very big German companies. You know, heavily heavily invested in the U.S. I mean, right. if you look at uh, you know Siemens or BMW right. And, right. and so forth, and they're doing you know big investments and they have big factories. And I think they were pretty much caught by surprise. You know, when the first discussion about you know the, the German export uh, situation and the trade relation came up, and they all came by tweet, as you kind of indicate. Right. And I think that was very new and uh, i think that was a point of concern for people because you know it's always you know almost impossible to put the entire story in a couple of line tweet and um, you know it's a very big picture behind it and if you invest in companies and um, you know power plants or factories in the u.s i mean there's also you know a lot of uh, employees that you create by that and uh, positions and i think from that perspective you know people felt surprised and i guess negatively surprised about that discussion and i think it will have an impact and it will have an impact you know on the question where do i where do i invest next is that you know the right way to do it what is going to be the political you know momentum for the foreseeable future how is that going to unfold and will that have an impact on my investment because the thing is that mentioned before, you know, certainty or predictability, to put it that way, is key when you make big-time investments or big-money investments. And if you invest in a factory um, in the U.S., I mean, you expect that, of course, you can generate, you know, profits and so forth. And if there are big changes in the um, regulatory regime that makes it impossible for you to extract the profits or to uh, curtail your production or whatever, I mean, then these are issues that people are afraid of. So I think but that's something, you know, general, again, the sentiment is, you know, the US, over, the U.S. always made it possible, you know, it is a very innovative nation, and eventually it will come out the right way. But, I mean, these tweets were uh, indeed, you know, catching people by surprise. Um, I'd like to just sort of turn to, you know, infrastructure uh, deal-making. How how is this year like? In, what were the expectations, I guess, coming into this? Um, for what areas were going to be, in, you know, the busiest, and how has this year sort of lived up to that? I think when you take a look at the European continent, I think you will see a lot of um, still a lot of um, renewable infrastructure investments. You know, I mean, you know, offshore wind farm developments are, you know, big money investments into, you know, various European countries. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of Asian appetite. I mean, there's a lot of Chinese money coming into uh, European markets. There is also, you know, Canadian um, money coming in. There's also some U.S. investments. I think, you know, it will be predominantly in the areas of renewable for probably the last year because there's a change in regime coming at least in Germany which means that there will be less appetite next year and then there is um, again a couple of power grids that are on sale I mean you know big transmission grid lines there is a lot of privatization going on on public roads I mean there is some port activity so the entire you know universe of infrastructure I think is still in heavy demand I mean but in particular when you have regulated returns and regulated tariffs because that gives you Stability people want to see in these days uh, on the on the um, turnover side, and I think that's probably what is currently um, most interesting to people. I was just going to ask you about uh, basically interest rates. I mean, 
you know, it seems like interest rates are obviously low across the board and they've been that way for a long time. It seems like everyone, you know, there's always, seems to me at least, like for at least a year or so, there's kind of been this underlying thing of, well, if you ever want to take advantage of your interest rates, you should do it now because they're so low. They're going up and they haven't gone up. And everyone knows that eventually they have to go up, but it just, it hasn't happened yet. Like how, how, how closely do you need to keep an eye on that? How frustrating is it? I mean, how how important is that interest rate when it comes to decisions about taking on debt and doing deals and that kind of thing? I think I'm thinking in European, you know, Europe and in particular Germany is behind the U.S. I think you are much right, much right. further as regards, you know, um, increases of interest rates. I think Europea, Europe has its own issues. I mean, we do have a still, you know, lingering issue with, with Greece and, you know, the mm-hmm. state financing. And I think these interest rates, I mean, the low interest rates are key to secure that these states can be, um, you know, kept afloat. And from that perspective, I think it will continue for quite a while. And mm-hmm. I think it's an important element of the overall uh, investment pattern because it limits alternatives. I mean, you know, if you want to do as an insurance company investments, I mean, where do you invest it? And I think that kind of um, puts a very nice light on the infrastructure investments, in particular the regulated ones, because there you have a return that is guaranteed in a way, at least it's stable, and uh, there is um, you know, not much alternative. From that perspective, interest rates, they also, you know, allow for a huge levering, leveraging. If you look at offshore wind farm transactions, for example, you know, there's pretty high up on the leverage side, and um, it makes makes these deals possible. On the other side, of course, it inflates the prices. I mean, the prices, right, if you look right. at the infrastructure market, I mean, the prices are, you know, high yeah. in comparison, and they're getting even higher because there are more people coming in. You know, it's a global market. I mean, the money is extremely, um, um, you know, fugitive. I mean, it can go everywhere. From that, from that perspective, you know, if you look at the prices, I mean, it's currently for sure, still a very much um, dominated seller market. You know, I mean, if you're selling stuff, I mean, you know, infrastructure assets, I mean, this is now your time. And uh, right. I think that's what we're going to see in 2017, like we did in 2016, by the way. I mean, I think it's not going to fundamentally change because at least in Europe, you know, the biggest threat, which was the um, French election, is um, is over now and uh, has come out with a pretty positive outcome from, from the European, you know, stability perspective. Um, in the first quarter of last year, you had, you know, oil prices plumbing, you know, lows. It, they've rebounded a great deal now. How has, you've talked about renewable energy, how has the rebound in oil prices, has that, you know, uh, sparked M&A, um, um, you know, among uh, oil companies? I know in the U.S. it's, it's sparked some. Yeah, I think, you know, that, I mean, I think there's a probably a different perspective from the European right. um, view because, you know, I mean, in the U.S. you have a lot of upstream, you know, um, um, generation activity, and that, of course, was, you know, a huge issue, you know, the low oil prices, whilst in, you know, in Germany, which is not an exporting but an importing nation and a pretty, you know, small own upstream, um, you know, share when right. you get oil and gas. I mean, I think... From that perspective, you know, the low prices had a big benefit because people could produce, you know, at a lower cost, and that helped them to generate more profits. Um, I don't think that, you know, the the change on the on the oil prices will have a, a dramatic impact on on you know on, on the German German transactions we currently do see because on the energy side, on the on the power side, you know, renewables. 
I mean, there is a, um, a regulatory regime in place which basically, you know, provides for a, a additional subsidy in some, in most instances, and these are completely decoupled, you know, from the from the from the, from the oil and price, uh, oil and gas market. So I don't think it has, it will have a tremendous impact in Europe, um, given you know the fact that we are not um, exporting but importing. But what you see, for example, is that obviously you know the the increase of, and I think that's also a big difference, you know, looking Europe and the U.S. You know, the increase of electric cars. That's yeah. something mm-hmm. that is. I think going to be a big trend in 2017. I mean, it has been long debated, uh, but I think this year will be the year most likely, you know, also, you know, as a result of the diesel discussion and so forth, that there will be a huge increase of electric cars. Because if you look at the overall energy markets, you know, the energy prices as such on the, on the, on the stock exchange are pretty low. I mean, there's a lot of energy in the market because of that renewable energy generation surplus, so to say, and uh, people switch, people start to switch. And I yeah. think that is going yeah. to be a trend that will be um, pretty um, predominant. And if you look at, you know, the Teslas driving through Hamburg, I mean, that is going to increase <laughs> because people just, you know, start to switch. Right, so that's right. going to be a market trend, I guess, that will be an interesting one to, yeah. to follow in 2017. You, yeah, you, Are there you, a lot of Teslas driving in Hamburg right now? Yes, yes. Wow. I mean, and um, and, I, and of course, you know, looking at that from a German perspective, it's a different world. You know, yeah. if you look at a, uh, a, a traditional, um, you know, car engine, I mean, it, it's composed of what have you, you know, 70,000 parts or so. And if you look at an electric engine, it's just 20,000. And that means, you know, the entire, uh, you know, the entire supplier chain around the engine is a completely different one. So it will have an impact, you know, if this is really a trend that will continue to um, to expand and there's a lot of you know Chinese competition coming in mm-hmm. and of course you know electric cars don't have you know the history than you know traditional cars so it's basically a new and yeah. potentially different start for companies and that means that you know the German manufacturers are now you know catching up rebalancing portfolio uh, it's interesting to see how that unfolds but it's a clear um, political agenda also in Europe to increase the share of um, electric cars substantially, mm-hmm. which then will have an impact on infrastructure because you need a different you know, setup of service stations and so forth. Matthias Hirschman is a partner at the law firm Hogan Lovells in Hamburg, Germany, leads the energy sector practice there. Matthias, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a good yeah. day. Yeah, take care. Thanks. And everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Coming Friday, May 19th, the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.